Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Father, and the Father's in me. That's where I want you to be. I want you to be in the Father and the Father to be in you. That's where I want you. And all of a sudden, hallelujah. Man, I've been the preacher, but let me calm down. Calm down. I hear my granddaughter. She says this to me. Calm down, happy. Calm down. I get going like a freight train because I get excited about this. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. Verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also, watch this, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Can I tell you, if you just simply connect the words I, that where I am, where are you going? I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. And we think that's some geographical location. But the truth of he was saying is, the way, the truth, and the life is the way, the truth, and the life to the Father. What he's talking to them is not a ticket to heaven, it's a way into the Father. Now, I'm not trying to take heaven from you. Stay with me for a moment. I'm just trying to tell you the context here is talking about moving from a place where God was an austere God to realize that he's my Father. And not only is he Jesus' Father, I go to my God and your God, my father, your father, that you're not there yet, Peter, but before the night's over, hallelujah, you're going to be able to come where I'm because I'm going to receive you unto myself. And when I do, he's going to be your father. Come on. And you're going to ask anything you will in my name. And you're going to do exactly what I just did. You're going to walk the planet doing greater work than these because if I stay, there's going to be one of me. But if I reproduce myself, if I continue to bring you to the father, if I bring a family of sons, if I can bring a people into the earth that realize their greatness they will do incredible exploits of demonstrating the power of a God who has given them unconditional love to give away to the human family hallelujah now this is powerful to me and then he said, verse 15, if you, if, you keep, keep, if you love me keep my commandments what was his commandment? that you love one another I just told you that's his plan is that you get receive the unconditional love of God and then we give it away. We simply love on God's creation. And I will pray the Father. Watch this. I will pray the Father. And he shall give you another comforter. That he, watch this, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. This word comfortless here doesn't mean I won't leave you with feeling bad. This word comfort is the Greek word orphan. I will not leave you fatherless. The Bible is full. Man, I feel the preacher sneaking up on me. The Bible is full of pure religion and undefiled is to care for the widows and the orphans. And something hit me the other day. God said you're not an orphan because you've got a daddy. Come on. That he has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart. And when he did, it cried out. It was the spirit of adoption that placed you in a realm of sonship that where he is you are also in the same dimension with the same authority with the same power is that where he is where is he he's in the father and the father is in him say where are you I'm in the father and the father is in me come on somebody and greater works than these shall you do because I will not leave
leave you orphans and he didn't leave you widows because 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross you got married to him. Hallelujah. Romans 7 says that we should be married to another even him's raised from the dead so I'm not a widow even though my first husband Adam is dead. Come on somebody. I got married. I wish I had another hour to talk about where I got married at. Hallelujah. Because the scripture tells us that in Ephesians 5, that he's already presented us to himself. It says, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might present her to himself. Not having spot, wrinkle, blemish, incest thing. That he might wash her by the washing of the water by the word. That he might present her to himself. A church not having spot, wrinkle, blemish or any such thing. Can I submit to you, that's not something he's going to do. It's something he did when he gave himself for you. Is that his blood cleansed you. His blood washed you. Come on. Hallelujah. And when he did that, he presented you. I don't care what nobody else thinks about you. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. He presented you himself not having spot, wrinkle, blemish, or any such thing. In other words, the way he views you is holy, blameless, undefiled. Come on, separate from sinners. I wish I could get some help. The sons of God, without rebuke, righteous, holy, on the basis of the work of Jesus, I'm qualified. Come on, I'm already spotless. Somebody, come on, hallelujah. And let me just say this because I know somebody might get mad at me, but I feel the preacher on me tonight. Hallelujah. If you're not already married to him, number one, it is illegal to use his name. Number two, if you're not married to him, it is illegal to be intimate with him. I hope this is not too strong for television. No wed, no bid. No covenant, no loving it. That'll preach. That sounds like a bumper sticker idea right there. But the new covenant is your marriage certificate. On Calvary's cross, when Jesus was hanging suspended between the heavens and the earth, and he sees his mother weeping at the foot of his cross. If there's anything that would make me want to climb down off of the cross, it would not be the mocking of the soldiers. It would be my mama weeping, saying, that's my baby. He saved others. Come on, that's my baby. I had all my eggs in that basket. That's the son of whom I love. If there's anything that would tear at the heart of a son, it was Jesus in his dying moments. He's trying to give his mother some comfort. And he rears back and he does not use a term of endearment. He does not call her mama. He does not call her mother. He says, woman! He uses a prophetic term. He's trying to shock her mind into an ancient prophecy that says the seed of a woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. And what he's trying to say is, you're the woman and I'm the seed. Come on, somebody. And mama, if you can just wait a minute, if you can just look beyond this moment, God is about to take this moment and turn everything around. I wish you'd high-five somebody and say, don't get caught in the moment. God is about to turn some stuff around. I wish I could get some help tonight. Hallelujah. God is about to turn some stuff around. Hey, I preach it with boldness. He rears back. He looks to heaven. He said, Elo, Elo, Sabachthani. 
was just to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can I tell you what's happening? Is he's leaving his father and his mother. He's about to cleave to his bride. And the spear of a Roman soldier will bust the hide. And blood and water will spill from his side on Calvary's tree. Just like the side of Adam was opened in an ancient misty garden. And God pulled a rib and made a woman. God was about to take a woman out of the side of the blood and water that flowed from Calvary. Is what cleansed you and purged every spot, every wrinkle, every blemish, everything that's kept you disqualified has been taken care of at Calvary. Somebody say, you're not a widow and you're not an orphan. you got a daddy. Hey, and you got a husband. Hallelujah. You're already married. That's pure religion. Undefiled. Hallelujah. That's good news to me. Hallelujah. I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, the world sees me no more. Let me get back to my text. I'm trying to wrap this up. Wow. And the world sees me no more. But you see me. Because I live, you shall live also. At that, at that day, you shall know that I am in my Father. And you in me. And I in you. Now he takes it to the step and shows you exactly what he's saying. I'm in my Father. You're in me. And I'm in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him, watch this, and make our abode with him. Now, do you see this phrase, make our abode with him? This word abode here is the only place in the New Testament other than this chapter that the word, this Greek word is used. This Greek word where he says, I and my father will come and make our abode with him. I would circle the word abode here if you're taking notes and take a line and draw it back up to verse number two where it says, in my father's house are many mansions because the word mansion in verse 2 is the same exact Greek word as the word abode here in verse number 23 and all of a sudden something shifts now stay with me I'm not trying to make nobody mad I think this is good news to me he said he says uh, I and my father will come and we will make our abode in him so we start out with John chapter 14 and we think it's the scripture that we need to preach at a funeral and I'm not opposed to that. Stay with me, man. I'm not, I'm not trying to fight everything else. I'm just trying to give you the revelation God gave me. In chapter one, or, no, chapter 14, verse number 2, he said, In my Father's house are many mansions. And then the same, and only other place in the scripture the same Greek word is used is the word abode. I and my Father, we will come. And we will make our abode in him. Oh, I can literally translate like this. I and my father, we will come and mansion ourselves in him. And all of a sudden something shifted. I realized this ain't my house he's building. Because we got Jesus in heaven. He's a carpenter. Now, he created the world in six days, but he's been building me a house for 2,000 years. Sooner or later, he's going to come get me. Go ahead. I know you got quiet. That's a songbook theology, folks. Yeah, just because it's in your songbook don't mean it's true. I'm just trying to challenge you a little bit. Maybe this verse is not just about where you're going to live. 
Maybe because when you read the context of it, he's not talking about where you're going to live. He's talking about him and the Father coming and taking up their abode within you. In other words, what he's saying is, in my Father's house. Now, how many know that we corporately tonight, how many know, come on, what, know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Come on, somebody. Touch somebody say, we corporately are the Father's house. In, come on, how many know we are the, come on, we didn't come to the house of God. We are the house of God. You know this. Come on, how many know we are the house of God? But in my Father's house... There are many mansions. Hey, come on with me a little bit. See, we got it like, uh, I'm going to get a really big house when I get there. And the truth of it is, I, I do believe there's a there. I don't know what all there entails. I think a lot of it we got from theology. Come on. Or not theology, songbook theology. And I'm not saying there's not a there. But I am trying to tell you, this is not simply about you going there. It's about the Father and the Son taking up their abode within you. What God is saying is, if you'll build me a house, I'll come dwell with you. Hallelujah. Everybody since man lost his relationship with God, God would say, let them build me a house so that I can dwell among them. And how many know that God, come on, lived in old flapping tents as they crossed deserts. He lived in the tabernacle of Moses behind a six-inch curtain or however thick it was in a place called the holiest of holies. And then he lived in Solomon's temple. But Jesus comes on the scene and he takes it out of the realm of shadow because let me just say this, on top of Mount Sinai, when God told Moses, uh, He said, if you will build me a house uh, so that I can dwell among them, I want to come and live with you. And He takes Moses up the mountain, shows him the body of heaven in its fullness, where it is a pavement of blue sapphire. And God says to Moses, if you'll build in the earth, after the pattern of the heavens, I'll come and live with you. And all of a sudden, years ago, my whole ministry changed when I saw this. Because my whole life I was raised to believe that God's primary purpose is to get me from here to there. And once again, I do believe there's a there. I'm not saying there's not a there. I'm not saying that your loved ones are not with Jesus right now. I just don't think it's as far away as you think it is. I really believe if the veil was rolled back, you would see a balcony or an amphitheater of those. Hebrews 11 said that our cheering you on to the finish line and they're standing there saying you can make it don't drop the baton now we handed you something but don't die where we left you keep moving forward don't go back don't go back hey hallelujah 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 and as we begin to behold, God speaking to Moses, if you're building the earth after the pattern I showed you, I will come and live with you. And then Jesus in Matthew chapter, uh, I forget which chapter exactly it was, He says to them, if you destroy this temple, in three days I'm going to raise it back up. And see, their mind went out of the safety zone because they thought He was talking simply about natural buildings, but He was talking about the temple of His own body. And how many of they did in fact, come on, destroy that temple. And three days later, Jesus stood the house of God back. 
because he was the first man. God said, I'm not looking for buildings. I'm not looking for wood. I'm not looking for hay. I'm not looking for stubble. I'm looking for a man that I can build, that I can live in, that I can fill with glory, that I can touch the earth to. Oh, I'm going to get myself in trouble, but I don't care. I'm bold enough that I can care less what people think. But the reality of it is we all psyched up and worried about God building a temple over in the Middle East somewhere. And the truth of it is God was never interested in buildings made with hands. I am interested in the temple being built all right. It is being built all right. And it's being built right here. Come on. A lot of lively stones that are being fitly framed together to build God a house. And if we can move our revelation from the Middle East to the middle of our hearts, if we can get God out of, come on, some distance across the ocean place and get Him in the lives of humanity right now, we would turn the world upside down. Hallelujah. The gathering of the Feast of Tabernacles is not some event in the Middle East. It is the bows of lively trees, of goodly trees. Come on, somebody, wave at me because you're the trees of righteousness. You're the planting of the Lord that He might be glorified. And the Feast of Tabernacles is the gathering together of the harvest. And the house that God is building. Hallelujah. That is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being chief cornerstone. Man, that's good stuff to me. I believe when you understand that, what you will see is that he, what he, Jesus was doing in this place. He said, I'm going to the Father. That where I am, you can be also. Not just so you could live in 70 or 80 years of misery. And then one of these days... You can go there, and when you go there, you can be happy. What he's saying is, look, I'm going to go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you can be also. Where is he? He's in the Father, and the Father's in him. So the greater works in you. Come on, somebody. Where, we, Lord, Thomas, Lord, how can we know the way? We don't know. I'm going to the Father. Come on, Thomas. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I believe. I'm the one that's going to bring you to the Father, and the Father to you. And I and my Father, we're going to come, and we're going to mansion ourselves within you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, because this is really not about your house, it's about His house. God, come on, I'm going to tell you what, if you let God build you into a house, you'll never have to worry about a place to live. God will always make sure you're taken care of. But I'm not saying there's not a place for you to live in glory land somewhere, but I'm trying to tell you, God wants to tabernacle Himself in humanity right now so that out of that greater works than these can flow to a humanity. Hallelujah, that have found out I am not an orphan any longer. I'm a son. Galatians, uh, I believe it is. Let, let me just read one more. I'm, I, let me just let me just quickly grab this in Galatians the fourth chapter. Quickly, I'm I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. I feel like I need to quit here. Wow, have I had a good time? I hope I bless you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Say, so, well, I don't like your thoughts. We'll have some of your own. I'm okay with that. You know, I'm really not even trying to get people to agree with me. I'm just trying to give you what I think God said to me. And I, I think it's revolutionary stuff that can change our world. When we stop waiting on God to some distant place and we start realizing God's a present help. I can access the Lord. You know, I probably would treat you different if I realized God lives in you. <laughs> if I love you, come on. How can I love my father whom I haven't seen if I can't love people that I do see? See, I start loving you more when I realize, man, maybe, maybe Father's here. That maybe this is God. Hallelujah. Living in somebody in a form I wasn't used to. Amen. 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 
Galatians 4 said, Now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he's Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed unto the Father. Even so, when we were past tense, when we were past tense, children were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of the Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Under the old covenant you were a servant, under the old covenant you were a slave. In the new covenant he introduces sonship. Now you're an owner. Hallelujah. I said under the old covenant we were slaves and servants. In the new covenant we're sons, and if we're sons, then we're heirs. You know, I, I, hallelujah, I, I think sometimes about, you know, I saw one of the princes from England was here not too long ago. And when you see them come, there's always great fanfare because they've learned the protocol of how to act if you're royalty. And I really believe as our, as, as our understanding is elevated to who we are, that we'll start to go in and out differently. Go ahead and stand on your feet over this room. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up. When I realized... The more, let me say it this way, when the more and more I realize who I am, who my daddy is, the more I, it, it, it brings more than just, see, it brings more than just a mental ascent and a rush to me of ego. It says to me, if I am a royal, and I, I'm part of a royal family, how many of God's original intention? was a family for himself and a bride for his son come on hallelujah that's what God still wants a family for himself a royal family in the earth God planted them right in the middle of a garden and he blessed them he blessed them and he said be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth in other words fill the earth with the dimension that you're from. See, I believe the reason we're hearing the message of grace and favor is because we are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Now, I'm not setting you up to take an offering. That's not what I'm doing because the offering's already been received. But I believe that we've been blessed to be a blessing. And you say, well, I don't know what I've got. See, I, I look back at my history and I think about I think about where I came from. See, you know, one of the reasons where people are always amazed at how touchable we are. We were someplace and they were like, like people saying like, you know, we're just amazed that you don't always try to run out of a room. You stand and talk to people, let people come around you. It's because I remember how important it was when I was a kid, when the preacher would come to town, they'd stop and say something nice and pat you on the head. See, I've been in this thing long enough to realize that a lot of pastors' kids, pastors' sons, that nobody would pay attention to because it wasn't politically profitable to them. I would take time to encourage them, to check on them on Facebook, to follow their lives a little bit. And you know what happens? These kids grow up, and now they're senior pastors that I'm preaching for. Go figure. They're famous baseball players or entertainers, or we've touched so many people that it's amazing. You think to yourself, I'm glad I took time. Are you hearing where I'm coming from? See, I thought about Joseph on his way to the palace. 
You don't look like the destiny of being the second in power under Pharaoh is the goal. I got to get to the throne at any cost. But we forget a lot of times that the path to the palace had to go through a prison. And that the guy in the prison that you didn't think was valuable, that you marginalized, a butler or a baker who didn't look like he had any future, you took time to minister to that guy. And you didn't realize big doors swung on small hinges. And you took time for that prisoner. And that prisoner got to Pharaoh's palace one day and said, I remember a guy that told me the interpretation of my dream. What I'm simply trying to get across to you is, Everybody in this room is powerful. Everybody in this room is important. Everybody in this room is a son. Hallelujah. Some of the most powerful people in the world are in this room. I said one time, I'm try, I really am trying to close, but I want, to, I, want to, I want to bring this to the world. I believe the Lord wants me to bring it to you tonight. A few years back, probably I think it was 2007, 2008, Got invited to Washington to a presidential dinner, sitting in a room with the President of the United States and some of the most powerful people in the world, world, world leaders, senators, delegates, entertainers. And I'm sitting in this room because I'm a country boy from West Virginia. We got three stoplights, four I think. Our only chain restaurant is McDonald's. Our closest Walmart is 35 minutes. And I'm sitting in this room with some of the most powerful people in the world. And I leaned over and said to the guy I'm with, one of the pastors, I said, some of the most powerful, I'm feeling a little bit small. I said, some of the most powerful people in the world are in this room. And he looked right back at me. He said, and we're two of them. I said, thank you for that wake up call. Touch your neighbor. Say, who's your daddy? Come on. I said, touch your neighbor. Tell him, who's your daddy? See, we're victims of identity theft in the American church. We lost who we're connected to. Does everybody see? You know, what's amazing to me is in the years we've been in ministry, and interestingly enough, after several years of television, people that wouldn't spit on us before want to get a picture taken with us now. But the truth of it is, is that what we realize is that people are important no matter where they are. And you can use the power of whatever you have like that to touch people because everybody is important. I forgot what I was going to say about that when I said it. Help me remember it, Lord. Hallelujah. But I believe that when we realize how powerful we really are and stop marginalizing, I believe what happens in local church settings, Pastor Scott, is we marginalize each other and we limit the gifting because, well, that's pastor's daughter or that's Mike's son or that's my sister's boy that's my niece and so because we don't realize the gift we've got they leave our churches and become great worship leaders somewhere else are you hearing what i'm saying they go on to become the great pastors the great songwriters because we see their humanity what i'm trying to get you to do is realize who your daddy is and realize you've come to the kingdom for just such a time as this hallelujah Hallelujah. Creation is groaning for you. It's waiting for somebody. It's groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. 
get ready to sing something or play something, Scott. I'm just going to tell you if it's all right, it's early yet. And I believe in this room tonight. I feel like I feel like I just want you to just respond somehow to this. If we could take a moment while he sings something, maybe even to step out of our chairs, maybe come around this front just a little bit. I want to just pray over you and activate. I believe, see, I believe there's something big inside of us. I believe God is activating something big in this place tonight. Can you hear that tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.